0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW, Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So we are in a message series called Heroes, and uh, today we're going to talk about Heroes Beware. And uh, we just came back from a whitewater rafting trip in, um, in West Virginia. We did the Golly yesterday, and, um, which was awesome. And here's what I know, and this is why this applies to the message, because you're probably going, what does that got to do with today? Nothing. I just wanted to say. No, no. What, what it has to do with today the is, is there are some people, and t- you tell me if this isn't heroes beware, some people think they're heroes, okay? They do. I mean, and so they try to step up. And some of them are here in this room, and some of them have tried to step up into heroic roles. Um, and I think, um, is Rick Pennington? Yeah, there he is. He tried to step up into a heroic role in our raft, and so he went ahead and took the charge. Yeah, that's right. i got you, Rick. And, uh, and so, so Rick gets in the front of the boat, and he's trying to be the hero. That's great, Rick. And then, and then Rick got knocked out of our raft. You know, we went through one of those Class 5 things. And so Rick got knocked out, and, uh, and then a true hero stepped up and rescued Rick. I know you're glad to still be here, I'm just playing. <laughs> when we get the GoPro cam back, we were, their story will have to change a little, but the only thing, probably the only thing true about that is Rick fell out of the boat. <laughs> that <was Yeah>. that. <laughs> but it was awesome, and uh, that has nothing to do with the message. <laughs> Um, other than to say this, if we're going to be doing some more things like that in the future, and we want you guys to be part of it. Because um, a lot of people say, what does that got to do with church? Everything. Because we all had a great time. We all got to bond. And it wasn't just to come back to say, yay us, and you didn't get to go. It's saying, hey, next time we get to do something like that, plug in. You know, we gonna be doing a lot of that kind of stuff. So it was awesome, and we're glad to do it. We are going to talk about warnings for heroes. And uh, I think everybody knows heroes usually have some super ability, or, or they do some super incredible things. And we've been taking a look at some heroes in the Bible and what they do, but one of the things we know about heroes is this, is that if you just focus on the strength and you miss out on what the weakness is, even Superman has, what, what's Superman's weakness? See, so you guys know, that's good, that's awesome. Um, he has kryptonite. And with what kryptonite does to Superman is it renders him powerless over, his powers don't work anymore. And I want to talk about some things today that, that what I understand about leadership, and I, and I believe in this principle, i practice this principle, I've been taught this principle, and that is when you're a leader, you focus on your strengths, not your weaknesses, right? And I agree with that, that you need to, you need to gear towards your strengths, you need to use your strength, you need to prepare to use your strengths. But there are weaknesses in life that if you don't take care of them, they'll take care of you. And no matter how strong you are, you'll, you'll blow up your life with some of these weaknesses. These weaknesses will bind you and, and, and just destroy you even though you're so strong. I think about a car. You know, it's like when the oil light comes on in a car, you can have the best car in the world, right? But when that oil goes out, it's over, right? I mean, it can finish off your car. So it's like, yeah, but everything else runs good on the car, right? My transmission's good. All the other fluids are good. I'm not mechanical, but I do know this part. (laughs) Learned it the hard way. (laughs) You better stop when that light comes on. You get the idea. That's kind of where we want to go today, a little bit. What what are the kind of things that make us bound? What what kind of things bind us? And then how do we get free from them? Now, before we get into this today, there is one thing I want to add. Just just because this is kind of what happens, a message like today can do a couple of things. One, it can it can make some people feel very guilty. And my intention today is not to do that. Um, I, there's two words. And, and there, it almost seems like semantics, but it's not. One is guilt, and the other one is conviction. And i got to tell you something. God uses conviction, not guilt. Okay, It's true. And some of you know what I'm talking about, because here's what's going to happen. In a message like today, you could go, oh my gosh, you pointed out what, was, what's, what I'm struggling with. And you're judging me, and you're condemning me, and you're, and you're trying to make me feel guilty. Let me tell you something. That's, that's not where this is going. So please, don't hear part of this, and do, and do this to me. I know who you are. I'm looking out here, and I can see who's got their arms crossed. Yeah, I see it. No, that's fine. That's fine. I know who you are. So just uncross your arms. It's all right back there, Brian. No. <laughs> uncross your arms. <laughs> and, 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 and be okay. You know, open yourself up, okay? Because here's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't care what your posture is. But, but what I mean is, is don't let that with, make you withdraw inside. Now, what it does to some other people is it makes them want to be superficial. It makes them want to say, well, I don't want anybody to know I'm struggling with that because I'm way up here. And now I'm going to leave here, being way up here, and I'm not going to allow God to do what he needs to do in my life. So let this challenge you. Let this convict you. Don't let this make you feel guilty. Can I tell you where the guilt's coming from? Satan. Because you know what guilt does? And some of you guys know. Because you've been in it where you go, I feel guilty about what I did, and it makes me want to do it more. Have you ever seen that happen? I have, right? Alcohol, food, you, you pick your poison. Pornography, you pick your poison, but I got to tell you something, all it's ever done to me is make me want to do it more. That's not from God. Can I tell you? What God does is wants to transform your life, and he, I believe that he can, and I believe there's some principles we can see through a story about a person in the Bible. Most people have heard of this guy. Um, there's not a lot of new material in the Bible, if you didn't know, but um, today we're going to talk about Samson. How many people have heard of Samson? Okay, great. Um, so I won't have to go through all the details, but we'll, we'll figure it out. So what, if you want to turn with me to Judges chapter 13, we're going to look at a, a, a portion. We're going to kind of turn through the book of Judges. And it's in your outlines as well, so you can go back and read it if you want. Um, judges chapter, I want to explain what the judges are first. That might kind of help. So this is just kind of a side note for those of you that are kind of intellectual and you want to know how we ended up where we do, or you're going, I don't know who the judges are. Why do we have them? Um, I want to explain who they are. So when Moses when Moses, how many people know who Moses is? <laughs> That's fine. All right, so Moses, most people heard, you know, Moses comes to Egypt, let my people go, Pharaoh says no, and then he finally let, you know, he let Israel go, and he, and he delivers the Israelites from Egypt all the way to the promised land, and he comes there, and, and Moses doesn't go into the promised land, Joshua does, and then at the end, when Joshua dies, then, he, then God sets up what they call a theocracy, and the idea is this, and most of you guys are going to like this, I, I don't usually say say amen, but I want you to say amen to this. Not yet, not yet, I hadn't said it, I hadn't said it yet, and you know it's bad when you go to the profound moment, it's not even that great that you're saying amen, and I hadn't even made the point, okay. Um, so the point is, here's the point, is when they get there, God sets up a theocracy, and the idea is, is that no longer will they have a bureaucratic government. Okay, there you go. Amen, right? I mean, nobody wants a bureaucratic government that gets in the way and and just takes all the stuff. So he goes, directly have a relationship with God. And at the beginning, it works. And all the things that Moses warned them about, they they kept, don't worship other idols, don't forget God. But then eventually, they do what we we talked about last Sunday. They got successful, and then what happens? When you get successful, you forget, and then you rewrite the stories, and instead of God delivered us, guess who did it? We did, right? We rewrote the book, and now it's my book that says how I did this. And that's kind of what they did. And so then they forget God, and then eventually they don't believe in themselves. So when they have problems, they start to pray to other gods and other little idols and whatever else they got, and then it doesn't work out very well. Because why? Because the hand of God, the blessing of God, comes off of them, and now all of a sudden the enemies who are out there start to come in and take them as slaves. And one of those is the Philistines. And so they would come in, and they'd beat them up, and they'd take them as slaves. And then the people... Because we never pray better than in crisis, right? It's true. Don't feel bad about it. That's just the way it is. And so, when the crisis hits, then they go, "Oh God, please deliver us!" We can't believe we've gotten here. It's our fault. We repent. And then what happens? God says, "Okay, I'll send somebody to rescue you." And that person is a champion. Okay, that person is a judge that's what the book of judges is all about and so as they fall into this time of of being in slavery they cry out to God God sends a judge and the judge comes up and beats up the enemy okay they're like superheroes and they come in and they beat up the enemy they set everything straight they throw out all the idols and they start following God again and then they start to prosper again because God's hand comes back on them guess what happens when they get back into prosperity guess what they do you want to tell me the cycle They forget God again. (laughs) They start worshiping other gods again. And then then God's hand comes off them and the enemy comes up and it's this continuous cycle. And that's what the book of Judges are about. Now you would think, well then, you know what would really help is they had leadership. Because that's the problem. They didn't have leadership. So then they get kings... And that makes it even worse, because now you got one bad guy <laughs> doing all this stuff, and they're tyrants, and it's just horrible. And there's probably only like two or three good kings that we even can mention. So, so it w- wasn't a leadership problem. It was a, it was a sin problem. It was a people problem. And, and so, so, but the judges were those that rescued them. And, and you can read the rest later. So that was just a side note to get you where we're at. That's who Samson is. So when Samson came along, they had been oppressed by the Philistines, and so God raises Samson up to deliver them. And here's what it says about Samson's, uh, Judges chapter 13, verse 1, or I'm sorry, Judges chapter 13, verse 5, it says, you will become pregnant, this is talking to Samson's mother, and will have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor because the boy is to be a Nazarite dedicated to the Lord from the womb. And he will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of of the Philistine. So this guy was bro- blessed from birth. He was blessed before birth. He, he was blessed in the mother's womb to say, you will be the deliverer. He had extraordinary amount of, of, of promise. And, and his rules were this, is that he was to be a Nazarite. Okay. So he was supposed to follow certain things. So he, he was not supposed to uh, cut his hair. That was one of them. So he had long hair. Um, the other thing he had was he wasn't supposed to drink wine. And the last one was he wasn't supposed to touch dead bodies. Um, and that's, that's what a Nazarite So if you do those things, it's like kryptonite to them, Okay, Don't do those things. If you do them, then God's hand will come off you and you won't have your superpower anymore. Now, his superpower, guess what it was? His strength. <laughs> okay? It was. And he was the strongest man who ever lived. Let me tell you a couple of his feats. You can write these verses down if you want. Judges 14, verse 5 and 6, he kills a lion with his bare hands. So he's walking down the road, a lion comes up, gets ready to attack him, and instead he attacks the lion and literally rips it apart. (laughs) It's true. Um, Judges 15, verse 15, it says, The Philistines came after him while he was by himself. He grabs the jawbone of a dead donkey. Okay, I've never really seen a jawbone. It must be pretty big, I guess. And so he grabs the jawbone of a donkey and he kills 1,000 Philistines. Now, I went to see American Sniper, and I can tell you, that was an incredible movie for me. The deadliest sniper in American history. Not close to a thousand. A thousand with your own hand. I've never heard of anything like that. Have you? One soldier, a thousand men. Not that he killed just a thousand, that he killed a thousand in one setting. And not just a thousand, thousands. (laughs) That's unbelievable, right? That's strength. That's the strongest person who's ever lived. It's just incredible. Okay, that's him. He judged Israel for 20 years, and during that time, he got out the idols, and they started to worship God again, and God's blessing was restored to Israel as they started to follow him. So not only financial blessing, which is a piece of it, but also they started to follow God, so they started to get the joy back in his life, and they're following godly principles. And so for 20 years, he was a judge over Israel. And then this is what happened. I want want you to see this part. Skip to Judges chapter 16, verse 21. Then the Philistines seized him. Wait a minute, who are we talking about? We're talking about Samson. The Philistines seized Samson. Now before, he killed a thousand of them. And in this case, in the very end, they seize him, they gouge out his eyes, and they took him down to Gaza. Binding him with bronze shackles, they set him to grinding grain in the prison. (laughs) The question is this. That's gross, by the way, um, that 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 happened to him, right? His eyes are gouged out. You, You know what they did in ancient times? They would say... The reason they gouge your eyes out, there's a couple reasons. One was is um, they didn't want you to see anymore. Two, because the last thing you see on this earth is them. It's, it's disgusting, isn't it? But that's what they did. And so they would gouge out your eyes and they say, the last thing you see is your enemy triumphing over you. And now you are a dog. Now you are a fool. You are the clown. You're the, you're the clown for us Philistines. And they bring them out and they chow them around. And then the rest of your time, you know what you get to do? You get to grind this wheel that normally we would attach some animal. And now that's you. And they'd laugh, and they'd make fun of him. And that's, that's. So the question is this. How do you go from being the strongest man who ever lived, who was blessed from birth to be the deliverer of Egypt for 20 years, and now at the end, 20 years later, you're here? What happened? And that's what I want to talk about today. What happened? How do you, how do you get here? How do you get bound? How did people get bound up? And, and I want to tell you some things from the life of him. And since you know him, then this will make it a little bit easier. Okay? All right, how how do we become bound? Number one, number one, we become bound when we live in hiding, okay? When we live in hiding. Now, that seems kind of weird because Samson, what did he hide, right? I mean, he was, if you watch him, he's a very flamboyant person. He was very happy to tell you how great he was. He was very happy to flaunt his strength at one time, they tied him up to a gate at night. He got stuck in the Philistines, and they, and they tied him up, or they locked him into the gate, and they thought they could catch him. And he literally picked up their gate that was heavier than a car and carried it down the road and <laughs> dropped it off. I mean, he, he was not a person that hid what he did. He just did stuff, you know? Let me tell you what he hid. Judges 14, verse 6. The, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart. This is the, the story of the lion with his bare hands, as he might have done, torn apart a young goat. All right, the Bible sometimes is weird to me. I'm sorry. It just <laughs> tore apart a young goat. Has anybody tore apart a goat? I don't... Now, we were in West Virginia yesterday. I know they did. Okay, we're done. <laughs> well, I got, but I do kind of get the idea. Hey, it's easy to kill a baby. It's very difficult to kill a male lion. That's huge, very difficult to do. But here's the part I want you to see about it. But he told neither, you underline that? He told neither his father nor his mother. You know what he's doing? He was starting to hide some stuff. Now, this is kind of minor. It's not a big deal what he did here. There's no sin here. But, but, he, but he was hiding it, and it kind of points it out. Verse 8, it, the Bible's telling the story, so we'll just go with it. Sometime later, when, when he went back to marry her, he, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass. This is really gross, right? I mean, so he's come back. Quite a bit later on his wedding day, and as he's walking down the road, he sees the carcass of the lion that he killed. So it's dead over there and it's just been left. And in it, he saw swarms of bees and some honey. You can circle the word honey, we'll come back to it. Verse 9, it gets a little grosser. He scooped out the honey with his hands. <laughs> it's like watching Bear Grills or something, right? I mean, like, you know how he eats all that disgusting stuff with the carcass. So we got a carcass of a lion that he had killed, and he scoops out the honey with his bare hands. And he ate it, and he went along. And when he rejoined his parents, this is for his wedding day, he gave them some. Can everybody say that's gross? Please don't give me honey out of the carcass of anything. Okay? I mean, I don't want that. But he didn't tell them. Can you underline that? <laughs> that's kind of funny in one way. You know, it's like, hey, this honey, you can hear him saying it, right? I remember one time my mom, I had gotten alligator bites, and, um, and, and she thought it was chicken. And so and so, I'm sitting at home, and she's like, can I have some of your chicken? I'm like, sure. And so she eats it, and I'm like, hey, by the way, that's alligator, and she spit it out. Like, and for whatever reason, it just bothered. Her. But it's kind of funny when somebody doesn't know, like let's say you're eating possum or something like that, and nobody knows that's what it is, and they're eating it, and they're going, ah, this is really good. And you're like, yeah, okay. And, um, and that's kind of what was going on here for him maybe. And so, so, but, but he didn't tell them that he had taken the honey from the, carc- from the lion's carcass. Now, it's not just gross. This is what I want to point out. This is not just gross that he did this. This is a sin. And you're probably going, really? What's the sin? I mean, it's gross that he pulls out something from a carcass. But, but, but a sin? Really? I mean, he just ate honey. What's the big deal? Can I tell you what the big deal is? He is a Nazirite. God has given him certain rules to follow. He has got a vow before Almighty God that he would follow these things. And he is a judge of Israel. Don't tell me he doesn't know. And what does he do? He does what he's not supposed to do. Can I tell you why he was so flippant about it? Because he had been doing it a while. The lady he was marrying was was a Philistine. That's when he got married. He married a Philistine. What was he doing marrying a Philistine? Because he was playing around with his Nazarite vow. He was going to parties. He was getting drunk. He was doing a lot of things. And he had gotten very used to, not a big deal. But it does tell you enough to say he didn't want to tell them that's what he did. He's hiding it. Can I tell you something about hiding? Number one, hiding our, our access to sin can lead to bondage. That, that might seem kind of weird. I want to talk about hiding just for a minute because it has two levels. The first one is this, and this is the one that most people don't pay attention to. Hiding our access to sin can lead to bondage. Hmm. Let, me, let me kind of explain what I mean. Um, if you're, if you're an alcoholic, okay, and we're not, we're not picking on you. Please don't think I'm picking on you if this is you today. But if you're an alcoholic, what it means to hide your access is this. Is let's, say, let's say you've now, you, you, you've overcome alcoholism, or maybe you had not overcome it, but you're going, hey, you know what, I'm not drinking anymore, I'm not struggling with that right now. And, and so you go, hey, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in sober, or I go to AA, or, or maybe God delivered me, or whatever, whatever you believe. And now all of a sudden, somebody for your birthday gives you, they don't know that's your struggle, and they give you a bottle of, of alcohol, okay? But you know you struggle with it. Now, you haven't drank it, right? But you don't want to say anything because, you know, they don't know that. So you keep it. Now, you haven't sinned, right? But now you have secret access to sin. You Get the picture? This is why hiding is so dangerous. So now, you've got this over here, but nobody knows, and it's playing with your mind. You get the picture? Okay, okay. Um, Let's say, um, let's, say, let's say for some guys in the room, this is, this is kind of a touchy subject, but let's just be honest. Okay? Some people struggle with pornography. I think all men probably do at some point, you know, because you're just, even your mind. But, but you're struggling with internet pornography, so you've gotten accountability, and you've kind of overcome that because other people know. But now you've got a device, or you've got a way around the system, or somebody doesn't know, or you, you've erased your history, or whatever it is, and now all of a sudden you're going, I've got access that nobody else knows about. You haven't sinned yet. You haven't looked at anything yet, but you know that they don't know and you just haven't told anybody. You get the idea? Um, I wrote down a couple more, I just want to make sure I don't miss them. Okay. <laughs> this is a tough one for me. Uh it's food. You know what I mean? I, I've been on like a low carb thing for a while, and then you go off and on it and stuff. But 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 the point is, is you're going, hey, you know, you're on a low carb diet, but you got you got Snicker bars in your in your glove compartment. You know what I mean? Now, I hadn't ate them, you know what I mean? Or, or you go, or you go to some place. And the toughest one for me is like, you know, like Krispy Kreme, right? I mean, it's like. <laughs> now I'm just looking, you know what I'm saying? I mean, when you're driving down the road, nobody's there, and you're hiding, you're hiding your access because you're like, nobody knows, right? Nobody knows that I have these things. Um, here's another one: people flirting with you. Now, maybe I know some people in this room. I know you've had this happen where you're like. Not to me, okay, so I know you're thinking I'm talking about myself, I'm not. But other guys that, that, you know, the girl comes up when you're in high school or something, and they're looking at you and they're waving, and all of a sudden you're looking and you're like, oh, wow, they're talking to them, <laughs> not me, oh, you're not talking to me. But what about as you get older? You know what I'm talking about? As you get older and, and you go in and, and a waitress comes along and all of a sudden you realize, they're kind of giving me that vibe, what's up with that, you know what I mean? Nobody knows it though. You didn't say anything about it. But but it's starting to play with your mind, but you don't say anything. You haven't sinned. You just don't say anything. You're hiding access to it, or somebody at work all of a sudden is paying attention to you, and it's kind of funny, and it's kind of like it's that flirty playfulness, but, but you're not really paying attention to it because it's not a big deal. And I don't want to tell anybody, because if I tell somebody, it makes a bigger deal out of something that's not a big deal. So I keep going, right? You know what the Bible says about keeping going? It says, it says in Proverbs, it says, it says that the the, the simple it says that the 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 prudent see danger and take refuge. But the simple, they keep going and they suffer for it. You know, just like the oil light in your car, you know. The oil light pops on and you got a choice. Now you can say, I can stop or I can keep going. Maybe it'll work out. But the light's on, right? Hmm. <laughs> You keep going, you suffer for it. Now, hiding access is the same thing. It's like, it's there, but I don't want to say it because right now is not then. This car is running fine. I can keep going, but eventually it catches up. And that thing that's out there, this is where it starts. And this is where it can end. One of the dangers of hiding is this, is that it, leads, it, leads, it can lead to bondage when you hide your sin. It leads us into bondage, especially when we hide our access to it. Number two, hiding our sin will lead, lead us into bondage. Can I tell you why? Not just the access to it, but hiding our sin can lead us into bondage. So, so after you've now done the sin, so, so just hiding your sin can lead to bondage, hiding the access to it, but also what will, what will lead to bondage is hiding the sin itself. So now it's went beyond that, and now you've actually acted on it, and now it's been sin, but now I don't want to tell anybody. See, I don't want to tell anybody because nobody else really knows, and why would I tell anybody because that's going to be bad for everybody, so I'm going to kind of do this alone, and that's what Samson had been doing. You see, what he did wasn't just hiding his access. He just didn't tell anybody that he had sinned. He reached in and it's not a big deal. He just just was with somebody else, and, and and he's hiding the access. Doing it alone. I got to tell you, that's the most dangerous part about this whole thing. He was doing his stuff by himself. He didn't have anybody. That's why hiding is so dangerous, because now I can't tell anybody. They don't know. I'm by myself. I'm doing this all by myself. You know, you know what Jesus said about that? Jesus said in the book of Matthew, he said, He was telling his apostles, He said, You know what? It's impossible to get through this life without stumbling. In fact, He said it opposite. He said it kind of like Yoda. He said, Impossible it is for you not to stumble. And then in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says, two or three are good because if you fall down, one can help you get up. But pity the one who has no one to help them up. You see, when you hide your sin and you're all by yourself and you think, me and Jesus got my own thing going or I'm just doing this by myself, this is the danger. Then you're all by yourself. And Jesus is saying, if you think you're going to get through this life and not stumble, it's impossible. And that's why hiding sin can be so damaging because you're trying to deal with this stuff by yourself and it will get out of control real fast, very quick. Hmm. I do want to to point out the lure, though. See, for Samson, he didn't just do it because he wanted, "I, I don't care about my Nazarite vow, I'll just throw it out the window. He did it because of one thing. If you go back and look at what you circled. He did it because of the honey. You see that? He broke his Nazarite vow because of the honey. What lured him into touching that dead animal was the honey. Hmm. It's true. I think about that for my life. It's the same thing. You know, you're driving to Newport News alone, trying to eat right, you know. And then all of a sudden, you're driving past, and over there, when you're by yourself, there's this sign that pops on. Everybody know it? Hot now. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever had that? Hot and now, right? If y'all don't know, if people don't know, it's Krispy Kreme. And so Krispy Kreme makes their own donuts. And so just as you're driving, it's like I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. And all of a sudden boom. Well now one ain't gonna hurt, right? I mean, so you're already in the line. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and there's no access, nobody's with you, you're by yourself. And they don't realize I've been driving over there every day. Kind of and, and then it's like, you know, well you just want one, well, you know, a dozen is cheaper. Oh yeah, well I'll get some of those from Marie and White, right? And one dozen turns into you ate them all. I mean, what's up? You know? Can yeah, I tell you what they told me? I heard this from a pastor this week. Anyway, it might not be funny to you. It's funny to me. You know what Krispy Kreme donuts taste like? Baby angels. That's what he said. I don't. It's just. It's probably the sickest thing I've ever heard. But anyway. <laughs> but they do, and you just eat them, and it's just amazing. And it's like, oh man, I did this. I can't believe I did it. And then you don't want to tell anybody, right? You just destroyed evidence. Nobody has to know. And let me tell you something. i tell you something about hiding it. People will know. Okay, trust me. When you eat a dozen donuts. <laughs> it shows up, all right? And, and, yet, and on the rafting trip, when we put on those <laughs> wet suits, I just want to tell some of y'all, it showed up, okay? <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> all right, we're done. We're done with that. All right, so the honey, honey is the lure, okay? It's the appetite. The honey and the honeys, okay? Hot now. It has a whole different connotation, doesn't it? Not so funny when it destroys your life. Not so funny because it's the appetite, and it's like nobody knows, and now all of a sudden it's so easy. It was just flirting, and it started to feel so good, but nobody knows, and it's so easier to go further when nobody knows. You get the picture? That's why, by being alone, it's so, so dangerous. It's how we become bound. Number one, we become bound. We become bound when we have access to sin. We become bound when, when, we, when we do that. Number two, we become bound when we ignore God's instruction. Number one, we become bound when we live in hiding. Number two, we become bound when we ignore God's instructions. Hmm. We ignore God's instructions. That's what Samson did. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about the moments that lead up to bondage. It's the same for us, Judges 16, verse 20. Then Samson, then, then she called Samson, this is, this is Delilah. Can I tell you who Delilah was? Let me tell you how bad it got. Samson's now, after his wife had died, his wife got killed by the Philistines, and he went on and he got kind of bitter and angry and stuff like that. And so he was going to, to, the, to where the Philistines were, and he was sleeping with a prostitute named Delilah. Mm-hmm. How does a judge of Israel start doing that? Can I tell you? Hiding he hid his sin. Nobody else knew he was doing that. So he'd go there and he would, he would be with her. And so she started to play with what was his strength. So he started to play with his kryptonite because the Philistines were saying, hey, you tell us, because you're a Philistine, you tell us what his strength is. I know he's got, I know he's got kryptonite. What is it? <laughs> and so she kept asking him, and he'd be like, and he, and he, and he started to toy with it. And enough nagging, and it works. Guys, isn't that right? <laughs> <Just playing. laughs> Whole lesson, different day. <laughs> uh, but it works. Right, And it worked on him, and so he, said, he started to let it slip out. Hey, it's my hair, but that's okay if I told her about my hair because she doesn't know what it really is. You, you lock my hair in braids, and, and so they'd come, and they'd bound him up. But this day, he told her what it was, and she shaved his head while he was sleeping, didn't know it. He must have been drinking too, huh? If he was sleeping through his head being shaved, that's <laughs> pretty amazing. Um, and then she called to Samson, The Philistines are upon you. And he awoke from his sleep and thought... I'll go out as I did before. I want you to underline this. I'll shake myself. (laughs) I'll shake myself free, just like I did before. See, he had been doing this so long uh that every time, here's what he did, and this is the dangerous cycle that I see. He's ignoring God's instructions. He keeps going down the path. He sees the oil lights on, but he keeps going. See, he sees danger, but what does he do? He sees the danger, he acknowledges the danger, and what does he do? Keep going. Okay. And, and what he does is every time that he has a problem, this is what a lot of us do. You know, what, you know what he did? He just gets up and he shakes himself. I can shake it off me. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of my dog. <laughs> um, we have a great Dane, and, and she is, she's, she's not a bad dog. She's just very... Mischievous. So, so, like, if she hasn't had attention in a while, she'll grab something really important to you and then she'll run around the house and it's like, want to play chase. And the matter you get, the funnier she thinks it is. And, um, and it's very annoying. And uh, my wife is not here today because she's going to pick up the dog from the Whitewater Rafting Trip because that dog means everything to her. Okay? Got it? So, my dog's at a border and it's a really a great thing. But when she does that, it drives me crazy. You know what I mean? I'm chasing the dog and I'm like, look, if Marie's not in this house, <laughs> all right? I know you've been watching that movie Marley and Me, but we're going to have Old Yeller. If you, <laughs> you, you come on out in the woods with me. <laughs> don't you ever tell my wife I said that. <laughs> I will deny that. <laughs> if I see any hashtags saying John said Marley and Me and Old Yeller, no, don't do that. <laughs> but you know what she does after she does something really naughty? She'll shake herself. It's like she has, like, she has big jowls so she shakes all that stuff in her mouth like, But that's what she does. And every time she'll look right at you and she'll go, everything's all right, right? I'll tell you something, that's what we do, right? That's how sin works, right? I live loose and loud. I I took a lot of this material from Herbert Cooper, and I really appreciate him for it because I didn't notice some of these things. Herbert Cooper from People's Church. It's not not just necessary to be original with messages. It's better to be profound. And um, I really appreciated some of his wording. But here's what I see. We live loose and loud. We come to church on Sunday. You know why we come to church on Sunday? It's to shake ourselves. I'm all right. I got it. I'm good. It works for me. And I don't have any problems, right? And I went out and I destroyed the Philistines before and I'll do it again. And all I got to do is shake myself. Now I'm going to get kind of personal here and I don't want you to think I'm picking on you. Remember what I said. Look to the person next to you. This is not about guilt. Please, please, please don't hear that. Maybe you need to say that to somebody. I'm not pointing you out. So if this is you... There's other people struggling with the same thing. I'm sleeping together and I ain't married. I come to church on Sunday and I shake myself. Get it? I don't have sex on Sunday.? Get it. I'm all right? Good. All right. I, I'm struggling with alcoholism. I'm struggling with recreational drug use, but it's OK, man. I mean I only take drugs when we're partying, and it's all right. I've watched this play out a thousand times, trust me. And all i got to do is come out of it, and I'm good. I'll just shake myself. And I've done it before, and I can do it again. Get it? I can eat a dozen donuts. You get it? I can shake my, no, you can't even shake then, right? <laughs> and if you do, we don't want to see it. Okay, all right, well, yeah. all right. you get the idea just playing around with money at work. I'm just kind of, I'm hiding some sort of immorality. I'm hiding that I'm stealing a little bit over here or I'm I'm etching the books just a little bit or I'm cheating the government just a little bit and I can get by with it. You know what I do? I can do that because I can just come out. I can come out of it and I just shake myself. Can I read the saddest words of the entire Bible? And I'll tell you why they're the saddest because (laughs) I remember it for me. He went out to shake himself free as he had done a thousand times before. Verse 20, it goes on to say this, but but he did not know that the Lord had left him. I remember that. God's hand of blessing is off. And he's coming at the Philistines without God and doesn't even know it. I think that's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Maybe I can say it different. It's the saddest thing I've ever experienced. (laughs) You see, I don't want you to think I'm here to point out your sin and we're doing this to you, okay? I I, I really, I really, I really want you to understand this today. Because here's what this church is all about. See, we we don't need to convict you. God will do that part, okay? What I want you to do is this. If you felt like, you know what, you pointed out my sin and I don't appreciate that and now you're doing this. You're thinking about it right now, aren't you, the people that cross your arms? Sorry. If that's you, that's okay. If, if you're doing this to me, that's okay. I got you. But that's dangerous, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But here's what I want to tell you. Every person in this church has been there. And if you say you haven't, you're, you're, you're in the most dangerous spot of all. You're fooling yourself because we've all been there. Amen. So you can look at the person next to you. They're no different than you. They might be struggling with the same thing or had struggled with the same thing or getting ready to struggle with the same thing. It doesn't matter. It might be different things. I don't know. But the point is, is I'm not here to do this. That's not the point. I want to tell you how to be free. Okay? And maybe you're here today and you're going, yeah, I'd like that, but don't, don't you've already judged me, so now I'm going to push you off. And that's the danger here. That's not what I want, but I want you to agree that if that's what you're doing, if you're just getting out there and you're shaking yourself, and this one more time, and some of you have fallen, and you've been crushed, and you don't even know why, and you're going, I don't know why this happened. It's because you're shaking yourself, and this time it didn't work. Why? Because my marriage fell apart last night. No, it didn't. It fell apart every day for the last 20 years. It just showed up last night. You get the idea? I'm, a, I'm an alcoholic. It didn't just show up last night. It, it wasn't just a DUI from last night. Get it? It wasn't just the drug use from last night. It wasn't just this from last night. It's a pattern, and we keep going, and we suffer for it. And the reason is because we're in hiding, and that's got to stop, or you're going to be be dead. Let me tell you something. You're, You're in a church full of that. That's who we are, okay? So we're not here to judge you. We're here to help you, okay? So let me tell you how you can be free. Please don't shut me off, please. Three keys to freedom. Number one, this is going to shock some people. Ask for help. Because you thought because we're in a religious environment, the first thing we would say is the thing that I would think of as a pastor. I took this from Herbert Cooper. So if you don't like it, you you email Herbert Cooper at People's Church. (laughs) But he was so right, and I would not have seen this in this passage, but it was so true and so profound that I wanted to make sure I shared it with you today. Number one, ask for help. And it is the most unnatural thing of them all. Let me tell you something. When you're in crisis, what you need most, you will want least. Is that right? Absolutely. All right. Judges 16, verse 26. Samson, this is after his eyes are gouged out, and he's been made a fool. Samson said to the servant who held his hands. Can you underline that? Who held his hands. Put me where I can fill the pillars that support the temple, so that I may lean against them. Now, he's out there, and they got... Hundreds of thousands of people, it seems like, in this one spot. That's incredible in ancient times. And they're there to make fun of him. So the idea is, bring Samson out so we can laugh at him. And so he says, he's got to be guided so somebody's got to hold his hand. I'll tell you what it means, ask for help. He had to ask for help. What did it take for this guy who was way up to ask for help? You know what it means? Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs a hand. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, it's impossible to get through this life without stumbling. And and Solomon said, you know, that that pity the one who has no one to help them up when they fall. Can I tell you something? Samson didn't have anybody before now. But now he's asking, take my hand and put it on the pillar. You get the idea? Somebody holding his hand. Now I know something about this church because we're a lot alike, most of us. And 95%... All right, 99% of us, here's where we struggle. It isn't helping other people. There's people in this room, I could tell you things that they've done. I could tell you times that I've went to them, and if I asked them for help, they, they would take money they didn't have to help anybody that I asked for. I mean like that. I know that about them. I mean, and not just a few. The majority of this church, if I went to them and asked, some of them, and a handful of them, they would do something illegal, so I have to be really careful. Don't do that. <laughs> just playing. You know who you are. But but they would do anything to help out a brother. That's the way they are. I mean, they're they're just as tight as a band of brothers. They would do anything to help somebody else. But let me tell you something. You better not try to help them. All right? I don't need help. I give help. And I want to give you a principle here today because if that's you, there's something you're going to need to see. You're not going to like it any more than I did. John chapter 13, you don't have to turn there. Just write it down. Read it in its entirety. It's the last supper of Jesus Christ. And at the last supper, Jesus got off, he, he took off his outer garments, and he put on a robe, and he got down on his hands and knees. And as they came into the room for the last supper, or the Passover meal, he, um, he washed their feet. Now, in those days, they would have a slave do that, because they lived in the desert, and their feet are nasty. Some of you guys, you're wearing flip-flops. Don't do that. No, <laughs> Not because we have anything against flip-flops. It's your feet. Okay? <laughs> <All right. laughs> They're nasty. These guys are walking in the desert all day. They're nasty. And he gets down, and they're like, whoa, whoa, what is he doing? Nobody's saying anything. They're like, this is creepy. I mean, he's washing my feet. This doesn't feel right. I don't like this. This feels uncomfortable. Why is the person who is about to be the king of kings, he is the king of kings, he is the alpha and omega, washing my feet? And finally, somebody says it, Peter. And he says what everybody else is thinking. Wait a minute. I think Peter might have been a redneck. <laughs> he's one of us. <laughs> And he says, he says, you don't wash my feet. I wash your feet. You never wash my feet. You're Lord. You're never going to wash my feet. And Jesus says something to him, and I want you to pay attention to it today. He says, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part with me. Did that, did that hit you like it did me? Let me tell you what that means. You aren't my disciple anymore, if that's how you think. Ask for help, Peter. And if you can't, if you don't realize this is together, you're done. Everything else, and let me tell you why I know this is true, because a lot of people are going to tell me, but I confess my sins to God, I don't need anybody. And I beg you to read the book of James, especially James chapter 5, where it talks about the the prayer of a righteous person that availeth much. You know where that comes after? Is when he says, confess your sins to each other. And together, we do it together. Now, it doesn't mean that we forgive you, okay? It doesn't mean we condemn you. (laughs) That's not what we're talking about. You're not coming to me to be absolved. That's not my role. My role is to do this. See? Not this. This. Let me help you. Come. Come here. Come here. You need help. And when you do that, now it works. Because when you pray without it, this is why we didn't start with prayer. Can I tell you what you do? Here's what you do. I need to give up alcoholism. I'm going to shake myself. God, forgive me. Oh, back out tonight. Because nobody knows. But when you pray like this, this is why it's the righteous prayer of a person. Because when you do it, now it's real for the first time in your life. Now you're ready to call out to God. You get the picture? You need help. Grab somebody's hand. The other thing is this. This is a challenge for our church. Those of you that have been there and, and, and you have seen that work and somebody has held your hand and now you're doing better. Galatians 6 verse 2 says this. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, there's all kinds of things we need to say about this, and please, if you're here today, there's every now and then, somebody will come, and they're enabling somebody, and they'll take this verse and go, John, I was getting ready to set up a boundary, and now I'm not going to set up a boundary because you just told me to go out and enable them some more. Now, they never say it that way. Don't do that. Setting boundaries is healthy. That's not what this verse is talking about. But what it is saying is this, is that the church doesn't need to be a pointing finger. It needs to be an outstretched arm of people that go, you know what? We've been there, and you know what you need? You need somebody to hold your hand and help you. Now, not, not enabling them, okay? So, so they may be like Samson and go, I just shook myself. I don't need you, okay? I'm out of here. All right, right, we'll come back when you don't have no eyes, and we'll help you then, okay? I mean, we laugh, but that's true. We're here. The hand is extended. I got you. You come back when you're ready. But we're here when you need us, okay? We're here. Come on, come on. You know why we know? Because we've been there. I don't have any eyes left. (laughs) That's a whole different thing. Don't. And when you do it, after you ask for help, after the first time you're able to humble yourselves and unpack your bags and God uses people in your life, now you're ready for the next part is this. Number two. Cry out. To God for help. You see, if you're the one helping them, point them to God, not you. See a Messiah complex. This ain't you coming to me so I can fix you. This is me coming to you to help you get to God. Get it? That's what this church, that's what this church should be all about. Helping people get to God. Not here to judge you. How in the world can we judge you? We are you. But we're people that have found something new in God. Ask for help. And then cry out to God for help. This is what he does. Judges chapter 16 verse 28. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord. Can you underline that? Sovereign Lord, remember me. And you know what? This prayer would be awesome if he had stopped right here. I could teach a whole theology around this prayer if he had stopped there. But unfortunately, here's what he says. Please strengthen me just once more. And let me... With one blow, get revenge on the Philistines. For you, no, for my two eyes. (laughs) You wonder why I'm laughing. That is a stupid prayer. (laughs) If we were to be real honest, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. You're calling out to God and asking for revenge. You're not over yourself yet, you dummy. (laughs) Don't look at the second part, look at the first part. You know why I like this prayer? Because it might be the most real prayer I've ever heard in the Bible. Nobody's saying it, but that's what we're thinking. So he actually had the guts to say it. But what he did was, even though he wasn't right, even though he didn't get everything straight at the end, even though he didn't fully repent of everything, you know what he did? He actually called out to God for the first time. Instead of Samson shaking himself and doing what he does, you know what he did? He said, Sovereign Lord. (laughs) <laughs> that's the first step guys you don't even know it You know, if you're struggling you know what you need to call out to sovereign Lord think of those words if you're, if you're struggling today this is going to help you because it means God is all powerful all knowing is everything you're an alcoholic and you know what the first step is AA teaches they say surrender to God you know what they say sovereign Lord that's what it's all about Sovereign Lord, I need you. I am powerless over my circumstances. I'm powerless over my alcoholism. I'm powerless over, you name, You put it in the blank, get it? And it's only God that can restore me to sanity. Sovereign Lord. You know when that's easy to pray? When you're on the other end of it and you're going, I like you, Sovereign Lord, because I need you to get me out of this, All right? I've sinned and I need you, Sovereign Lord. You know when it's difficult? It's when Sovereign Lord says, I need you to forgive them. You know what your problem is? Your problem isn't that you did somebody else wrong. Your problem is somebody else did you wrong, and you're holding on to it, and I want that. And now all of a sudden, it's sovereign Lord. You want me to do what? They did me wrong. I'll hold on to that. And he's going, no, 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 you don't understand. That will destroy you. Let it go to me. Forgive them. Remember, that's what it says in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive them just as your Father in heaven has forgiven you. And if you don't, I can't forgive you. Why? Because it's all in your heart. See, it's your heart. I can't fill your heart because you filled it up with hate. You filled it up with revenge. You filled it up with all these things. Let it go to me. You know how that comes? The sovereign Lord. Because now you've got to square up with, whatever's happened in my life, he's sovereign, which means he knew about it. Hmm? He didn't do anything about it. Why did you do that? Anybody want to ask that question? I did. You're going to answer my question, John? No, because I don't have the answer to it. You know what I have the answer to? I can trust him, not because I know, but because I know what he did on the cross. Get it? And now I know that I can look at the cross of Jesus Christ That he says, if I did this, can you trust me with all the things you don't get? Yeah. Sovereign Lord. Get it? Sovereign Lord. I can trust you because of what you did there. I know you're good, so I can trust you with all the things I don't understand. That's a process, isn't it? Let me tell you something, that will change your life. You cry out to God, Sovereign Lord. The last thing I want to tell you about is this, Verse three, number three. God can give you strength again. Ask for help. Cry out to God for help. And remember this, God can do it. God can do it for you. God can do it for you again, too. This is what he did for Samson. Judges 16 verse 21, then the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes, that's the part we read before, and they took him down to Gaza and they bind him in in bronze shackles and they set him to grinding grain in the prison, verse 22, but the hair on his head began to grow again after they had shaved it. Can you underline, it began to grow again. You kind of get what this is meaning to us? God can do it again. Your hair is starting to grow again. Look to the person next to you. Your hair is growing again. Tell them. Maybe not Charles Brock. That's okay. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care who you are. <laughs> The hair began to grow on his head again. God can do it again now. Here's what happens, verse 28. Then Samson prayed, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please give me my strength just one more time. And Samson, in his death, killed more people than he ever did in his life and brought glory to God. He was imperfect, but he did. Now, you know what the hardest thing is? It's not to fall into a life of sin and turn to God. It's to fall into a life of sin and turn to God Changes your life. He redeems you. You get to do all these amazing things in God, and then you go back. Maybe that's you. That's the hardest place in the world to be, isn't it? Can I tell you something today? God can do it again. God can do it again. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far down this rabbit hole you went. I don't care how far up you are. All I care about is say this. If you're here today and you're going, you don't understand, I don't know if God can do this for me. Let me tell you something. If he can do it for Samson, he can do it for you. God can do it again. Get it? He can do it again in your life. Would you let him? Now, here's here's the warning that I have for you before you leave today. What most people are going to want to do with what I'm talking about today is this. You're going to want to hear a message like today, and you're going to go, yep, that's me. And I need this more than anything. And what you're going to do is you're going to walk out the doors and go, yep, I need to do something about it, but not right now. Let me just leave. You're going to see danger. You're going to keep going. You're going to suffer for it. And you know what? When your eyes are gouged out, we'll be there to help you. You want know, I keep bringing that up? Because I wish, I wish I was a pastor here to say, I didn't do that and I have my eyes, but I don't. See? <laughs> There's a reason why this church is filled with people like me, because I have no eyes. I got them gouged out. You get it? (laughs) I wish I had them. I don't. Because I've wasted so much of my life. But all I can do for you is this. (laughs) I can help you. You get it? You don't have to do that. God can do it again, even if you don't have eyes, even if you don't have hair. Charles, I'm sorry. (laughs) Because it'll grow back. It can grow back. God can do it for you. He did it for me, and he can do it for you. And I don't want you to leave here without that. So if you need to come and pray with us, then do that. You need to sign up for a community group. You can do that. You need to sign up and go with us next week to help start a new church and start building some relationships and doing that for some other people, then do that. But I'm going to ask you today, man, don't walk out this door and just go, that was good. I really felt that. I really needed that. And don't do nothing. Don't do that because God can change your life. Let's stand for prayer. Father, I'm praying right now that that you'll do in lives right now what what I cannot do. What no words that I say could do, I pray that you do right now. I believe there's somebody here, God, that's hiding. I I believe, Lord, there's probably somebody here that's hiding their access to sin, and it's going to destroy them, but they're scared to say anything because what it will do to them. And I pray, Lord, they can find somebody safe maybe unpack that today. Lord, I pray for the one that's hiding their sin. And they're going, I don't want to tell anybody because if they found out, this would be a problem. But you know what I can do? I call. All I have to do, I can just shake myself. Lord, I pray for them before your hand moves off of them. Lord, I pray for the one that their, your hand has moved off them. They're feeling the consequences of it. And they're thinking, I don't know what to do. I pray that today, God, they can see there's a sovereign Lord that can deliver them from all that. That there's a church right here that God has sent here with people just like them that can say, you know what? We believe in Sovereign Lord because he did the same thing for us. There's no us and them. There's only us. And all we can do is help them by the hand and help them. And Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be a church that does that, that helps people by holding their hand. Lord, please, Sovereign Lord, do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And today I pray there's deliverance all over this place. Not just for today, but for your kingdom. We'll give you all the praise and the honor and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. With the Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky?